folks um, from one church to another, it's important. It, it, it's fitting, actually. We hadn't necessarily planned it this way, but it's fitting that we're talking about being Spirit-sent, how the Spirit sends. We had an event here on Friday. It was a wonderful event, and I was thrilled at the number of people that were inviting folks, their, their neighbors, people they work with, friends. I heard, I heard several times folks that wouldn't normally come to church didn't think that was going to be very interesting or intriguing to them, but, oh, they liked jazz, and they came, and they heard good music, and they heard the word. They, they, they heard an invitation to take what we know about Christmas and make that personal. Just like jazz becomes personal, becomes improvised, it's, it's made personal to a particular person. You know, that desire that we have for the people around us to also know the Savior, we are sent by the Spirit. We are sent, enabled, and empowered by the Spirit of the living God into the ministry that God has set before us. We are not in this on our own. We, we sang that song just before I came up. It was a song of questions and answers. What, what child is this? Why lies he here in such mean or lowly or humble estate or setting? Why would God's son be born in a stable or a barn or a cave among the animals and then laid in a manger, a feed trough? How could that be? Why was that? We have questions, things that don't make sense, we don't understand. There is much spiritual that we don't understand. In fact, God's word tells us that except the spirit open the eyes of our understanding, we cannot understand the things of God. That they are not humanly understood, they are spiritually understood. And so there's confidence there as well. Not only can we understand because God has sent his spirit, but when we go and want other people to understand. When, when Brian and Emily go down to Cornerstone Church and they're getting to know a whole new group of youth, and there's youth out in the community around them that are, that are wandering and, and probably vandalizing and tagging walls and, and creating all kinds of havoc, and they're trying to, trying to reach out to these hoodlums. What chance do they have of doing that? Zero. Except the spirit of the living God. You do not go alone. You do not go on your own capabilities or competencies. You go in the power of the living God himself by his spirit who indwells and empowers. And that gives us all the confidence in the world. How is it? I have tried and tried and tried and they won't hear me. And yet... By the Spirit of the living God, what you never thought would be the thing is. And all of a sudden you see the, the eyes open and the, the understanding is illumined and the Spirit of God has taken truth and taken it beyond the eardrum into the heart. That's what the passage is before us this morning promises. As we read in John chapter 16, I want you to be looking for three things that, that Jesus specifically tells us the Spirit will do toward those who do not yet know Him. Those folks in the world, what will the Spirit do? The Spirit promises to be at work, to be active. You are not on your own. There are three things as well that in this passage the Spirit does for us. I think these, two, these three go together. 
the three toward others and, and the three within us. Help us in those three toward others. So I think they go together. But listen for those, watch for those as you follow along as I read. We're going to be in John 16, starting from verse 5. If you don't have a Bible, I want you to be able to follow along. So go ahead and just grab one in the pew pocket in front of you if there's one there. And we'll be on page 765. John chapter 16, starting at verse 5. Jesus says, now I'm, I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? And it's not because they understood, it's because they're distracted by the word of trouble that he gave them just previously. He told them that people are going to persecute them just like he was persecuted. And so you're not even hearing me talking about going away. You've heard about the trouble and your mind is dwelling there. None of you ask me where you're going because I've said those things previously. You're filled with grief. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go away, the counselor, the helper, the paraclete will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do, do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. In regard to judgment, because the prince of this world, the enemy, has been condemned. Now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, much more than, than you now can bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. He will tell you things to come. What is... He will bring glory to me, but Jesus says, by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. Let's pray again. Father, as we prayed with the children, would you open your words? Would you open our hearts to hear from it? Would you illumine our understanding to see? And Father, then would you give us the courage to go based upon what you have promised right here to us this morning. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So to recap the three chapters, I put three verses in your handouts there in the, in the, in the bulletin. There's a note side. And I, I put three verses from 14, chapter 14, chapter 15, and chapter 16 of the book of John. We learned in chapter 14, right at the start, that Jesus said that whoever believes in him, greater works than those that he did, would we who believe in him do. Well, how can that be possible? It's unpacked further in chapter 15. The fact that Christ is the vine, the source of life. We are branches. We bear fruit, but not of ourselves. We as branches bear fruit as we are attached to, abiding in, as long as our identity is in the vine so that the life of the vine, think spirit, flows through the branch, and by the life of the vine flowing through the branch, we bear much fruit. We are changed, and God uses us in reaching out to others. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit as branches of the vine, fruit that will remain, fruit that will endure. 
And now he says in chapter 16, it's to our advantage that he goes away. Because if he did not go away, the Spirit would not come. The advocate would not come. The helper, the paraclete, the other who comes alongside would not come. Now, why is that? Because when Jesus says he's going away, he's going away in death. He's going away by way of the cross. And because Jesus goes away by way of the cross, he bears our sin in his own body on that cross. So that all that stands between us and God, all that separates us from God, is now finished. It has been judged. It has been dealt with there on that cross. He in my place, in your place. So that now, after his resurrection, he ascends and he sits down at the right hand of God. There's nothing between him and God any longer because the sin that he bore is finished. It's been put away as far as the east is from the west. Now there's nothing between us. And so the Bible says, now urges you by believing in Jesus to be reconciled to God. There's nothing in the way any longer. And because there's nothing in the way, then those who believe in Jesus, God comes near. He's not separated any longer. God comes near. In fact, the Spirit of God comes so near as to dwell within us. You see, the salvation work of Jesus on Calvary not only forgives our sins so that we can dwell with God in heaven, because it has removed our sin, it opens the way for the God of heaven to dwell in us, even on this frail, broken humanity on earth. You see it? And there is power there for God's continuing work, even greater things. So what exactly will the Spirit do? What difference will the Spirit make? He will take that which is as far above us as the heavens are above the earth, and he will make it understandable. He will get past the eardrum into the heart in ways that none of us can. That's what he promises. Ask one of the things you need to do when you are praying, when you want to reach out to somebody, when you've got somebody that you're concerned about, you need to talk to them. Somebody needs to talk to them. The first thing you need to do is talk to God about them. And this is what you need to ask. You need to ask God's Spirit to open the way. Ask God's Spirit to open the way. That's what we find in verses 8 through 11. Specifically, in chapter, verse 9, verse 10, verse 11. First of all, in verse 9, the, the Spirit will come and He will convict the world. He will, he will press upon the heart of humanity, which includes your neighbor. It includes your friend. It includes someone in your family. He will impress upon their heart a conviction and a convincing concerning their lack of unbelief. He'll convict them of sin because they have not believed, because they do not believe on me, Jesus says. He doesn't say he will convict them of sins. He, do, he doesn't say he will convict them of sins because of the things that they do. He will convict them of the sin of rejecting God's gift in Christ. Easily and often we focus on behavior, don't we? We focus on the things that people do. Well, if somebody is fallen in sin, if they are in fact in bondage to sin and death as the creed goes and cannot free themselves, why would we come down upon them for acting sinful? They are mere human. And in fact, that is a broken humanity, right? We don't need to focus on their sin. We don't need to press upon them the guilt of their sins. We need to focus on their need to believe. 
That's what we need to focus on. You know, and the secret is the Spirit will speak to them about sin. Most people know they're not perfect. Most people. There are a few that, <laughs> Lord, would you show them? You, know, you might know somebody like that, but most people know. In fact, their defense mechanisms, dare I say it, our defense mechanisms, and the way that we look down on others are because we're all too aware of our own sinfulness. We're all too aware of the ways that we don't measure up. No, no, that's, that, the dirt little secret is that the dirt is no secret. You know it. They know it. We need to be focusing on the need to believe. That is God's remedy. The Spirit will press them. The Spirit will convince them because of their need to believe in Jesus as Savior. The Spirit will convict them concerning righteousness. Why righteousness? Jesus says, because I go to the Father and you, and you won't see me anymore. They will, the Spirit will convict the people that you care about. He will convict them concerning the righteousness of Jesus himself. That that one who was rejected, that one of whom it was said, crucify him, we don't care. He is not worth the air to breathe. Take his life, it doesn't matter. It's, he's not worth continuing to live. That's to the extent that they rejected him. Take his life. He shouldn't keep living. And yet God said, no, no. God raised him from the dead. God reversed that verdict. Think of it. The righteous person actually became unrighteous for us. He took on unrighteousness. He took on our sin. And in his death, he finished that sin. So then he ascends in righteousness and sits right down at God's hand. God's right hand. There's nobody closer than him. Nobody closer. The fellowship in heaven between father and son is restored. His death finished that. The sin that he bore has been removed. And God has vindicated his righteousness by raising him from the dead. And now, now the Spirit of God confronts the world. The Spirit of God convicts. The Spirit of God convinces that he is righteous and you are not. You know, Jesus' very presence convicted people of righteousness, didn't it? Oh, he rubbed them the wrong way. Because they knew. Because in him they saw a holiness. They saw a rightness. They knew that what he said lined up with God's word. They knew that what he said, that he was the light come into the world. And men loved darkness instead. And they turned away from the light. His very presence they found infuriating. Infuriating because his righteousness showed their darkness, their guilt. And he's not in the world anymore. But the presence of the Spirit is. The presence of the Spirit is here. And the presence of the Spirit will continue to point out His righteousness and our need for it. You've got somebody you care about. What are you going to do? You're, gonna, you're going to pray for them. Lord, show them their need for the Savior. Show them that they cannot stand on their own before a holy and righteous God. You know something else? You can speak to that resurrection. You can, you can um, use what I call Gamaliel's logic. And you say, who's Gamaliel? Gamaliel? I might not even be saying it right. Gamaliel. Yeah, we'll go with that. Gamaliel. You, he's, he's a Pharisee. Roundabout Acts chapter 5? 
Acts chapter 5, I'm going to go with that. You check me later. Acts chapter 5, he's the one. They're the, the, the apostle, or the, the, the apostle, the, the disciples have been called back before the Sanhedrin. We told you never again to speak in this man's name. And they said, well, you know, what are we going to do? Going to obey God rather than men. And boy, they're about, to, they're about to cast them in jail or do something horrible. And this one teacher of the Pharisees, he's one of the scholars. He's somebody that he's quiet in the meeting and then he speaks towards the end and everybody listens to what he has to say. And he speaks up and he said, now you guys be careful here. Remember so-and-so, you know, th- this movement popped up over there uh, n- n- not so long ago. And, you know, it had a lot of energy at first, but it just died away on its own. And there was this other guy, and he got a lot of people to follow him, but then, ah, it petered out. He said, you be careful what you do to these guys. If it is not from God, it'll fade away on its own. We don't need to fight it. If it's from God, however, he said, you be careful. You be careful. If this is from God, then by attacking them, you will find yourself to be warring against God himself. It's the Gamaliel logic. And his point is this. What if the resurrection is really true? That's something you can bounce off your friends. Okay. Everything, everything I would say to you about Jesus hinges on that point, the resurrection. That Jesus not only died, historical death, but he historically rose from the dead. That was, God's, that was God's demonstration that this was different. What if he did? What if it's true? If it is, it's a game changer. If Jesus really rose from the dead, what does that mean for you and I? What does that mean for humanity who declared him guilty when God has declared him righteous? If we declared the righteous one guilty, where does that leave us? Okay? The, the Spirit will convict them, will press upon them concerning Christ's righteousness, a righteousness that is found in Jesus, and our need for it. Thirdly, he says, the Spirit will convict the world of judgment. What do you mean by that? The Spirit will convict the world of judgment because the prince of this world has been condemned has been judged. Judgment has been passed. The, the, the sword is hanging over him. It's about to be carried out. That's the situation. That's a prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the children of disobedience, the enemy Satan who has deceived the world from the Garden of Eden forward till now. That is the situation that he is in. And so all the world, so all those who follow. One word? Accountable. The spirit will press upon humanity their need to believe, their lack of righteousness, which can only be found in Christ, and he will press upon them their accountability to God. That's what the Spirit does. Our message to them would go right along with that, wouldn't it then? I want to share, 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 share the gospel with somebody. What am I going to tell them? I'm going to tell them you and I are accountable to God We cannot, if we're going to stand before God himself, we do not measure up. We do not have enough righteousness. We need to believe on Jesus who is righteous for us. You see how that tracks right back up exactly what the Spirit says he will do. You're not on your own. Brian and Emily don't go to Ione on their own. You don't go next door on your own. You don't go to work on your own. You don't go to school on your own. You go to work, school, or wherever Christ leads you in the power 
of the living God himself by the Spirit who says, I will convict the world. I will press upon the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Their accountability to God, their lack of their own goodness and rightness, and their need to believe on Jesus. That's exactly what the Spirit does, okay? That energizes our witness. That makes the difference. We, if we want to matter in this community, if we want to be used by God here, the first thing we will do is not talk. The first thing we will do is pray. Really. I was so thrilled at the, at the men's group uh, the other Wednesday night when I was there, and they were, guys were praying about the guys whom they had invited who were coming to Christmas Jazz because they looked forward to talking to them around the table. They looked forward to having them just visit into church and find out that, that nothing bad would happen here, that it was okay, that we actually are, can be friendly and nice. We, we were well-behaved on Friday night, weren't we? Yeah. And not only that, but there would be the opportunity to hear the gospel there. And so they were praying that the gospel would be clear and that these, their friends, would hear I love that kind of pray. That's what matters. Because that's what the Spirit wants to do. And we say we ask anything in His name, and He does it. He hears us. He answers. This as well gives us a, a, boldness, a boldness to witness. We can go ahead. We can take the chance. Uncomfortable and scary as it is, we can because we're not in this on our own. We're like a child standing on the curb. I want to go over there. There's ice cream over there, but there's a busy street here, and I can't cross it on my own. Oh, but mom or dad's here. Dad's right here, and dad's got my hand. I can step across that street as scary as it is because I'm confident of who holds my hand. I'm not, all, I'm not on my own here. That's us. And we step out into the world as busy and scary as it is. Things going this way and that way and everywhere. And yet, we are held by the living God himself. Whose spirit is in us and who will convict the world concerning the sin of unbelief. Concerning Christ's righteousness and their need of, a, of it because they are accountable to him. We need to pray that God will show them their need, and we need to pray, God, show us your truth. That's the other thing that's mentioned here. The Spirit will show them their need, and the Spirit also will show us his truth. The Spirit will show us the truth concerning Christ, and so we need to ask God's Spirit to help us to know what to say. We need to pray God's Spirit will help them to hear, help them to understand. We need to pray God's Spirit will help us to know what to say to so fill us with God's truth that it just overflows out of us. It just leaks out of us to the people around us. Look again at verses 13 and 14. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth because he's the spirit of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He will not speak on his own and he he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you things to come. He will, he, will bring, he will bring glory to me, to Jesus, by taking from what is Christ and making it known to you. That's what the Spirit will do. He will guide you into all truth. It's more than mere knowing. He will guide you into truth. Take that back into, into being a disciple. 
to teach the, teaching them to obey, to walk in, to live in all the things that I've taught you. He will lead you into all truth. Not just knowing truth, but experiencing truth. Living in God's truth. He will tell you things to come. You know something Christians desperately need? That's to be forward-minded. That's to be, be looking ahead even as we're grabbing people along the way. We need to have our eyes set ahead and not on the glory days that once were. Do we really believe the best days are behind us or do we believe that the glory is yet to come? The Spirit will teach you things to come. He will draw your heart toward heaven. The things of earth will grow strangely dim as he does that. We need to be forward-minded and not stuck on what was. You know, there was a lot of concern. One way or the other, one side or the other, it's fascinating. It doesn't matter which political party you are. Either one had all kinds of angst. This is the election. This is going to make all the difference. No. It's kind of funny, uh, and it's not that I'm taking it, I'm not taking the conditions of our country seriously, but it's kind of humorous after all of that hoopla that the balance and power in Washington has stayed basically the same. It didn't really change. We got another four years of plenty of news cycle and bickering and so forth going on there. But that's not where the difference is going to be made ultimately. The ultimate difference is ahead of us. He will teach you things to come. A problem for Christians when we are too concerned about the present political scene is the problem with our eschatology. It's a problem with our understanding of end times. It's a problem of whose hands we think that is in. Okay? We need to be careful that we're not too present or past-minded rather than those things that the Spirit would tell us, things to come. Setting our mind on where the Spirit is leading us. May He continue to set us looking ahead. You know, there's a saying concerning folks in the church. Anchors are important. You know, if you're in a boat, having an anchor is important. But when the Spirit is on the move, when, when it's time to set sail, and the Spirit will be blowing these sails and moving His church... Well, the anchors jolly well better be on board, huh? Because anchors are a good thing. You don't want to drift. But when you're underway, the anchors better be on board. Let me give you another exal uh, um, analogy. Sports. This is for the guys. Okay, ladies, tune out. I'll bring, I'll bring you back in 30 seconds. Wayne Gretzky. Hockey legend, right? He's got a great philosophy for life. He says, I never skate to where the puck is. I always skate to where the puck is going. He will tell you things to come. We better devote our energies not so much into what is as what will be. When nothing else matters except what God is leading us into in the future. He will, he will guide you in all things. He will tell you things to come. And he will glorify Christ to you. It's not so much about church. It's about Jesus. We don't need more churchy things. Folks are fed up with them. 
We don't need more churchy things. We need more of Christ in us and through us. We don't need more cheesy Christianity. We do need more Swiss cheese. What do I mean by that? Swiss cheese is holy. Yeah, I know. It's cheesy. We ought to be so holy, just suffer through this, that the Spirit of Christ just seems, as we are filled with His Spirit, it just leaks out of us all over. There needs to be so much of Him in us that even unintentionally it spills out and overflows. We minister. We live, we serve Him in the power of the Spirit's presence. By the, the, the Spirit of God who will open the way, by the Spirit of God who will show us Christ in ways that we know what to say. That gives us courage. We fear not, for God is with us. We fear not because... Well, as Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right arm. You know, there's much that we don't understand. There's a song, a Christmas song. It asks the question, Mary, did you know? Well, sure she did. The angel talked to her. But really, Mary, did you know? Did you really know? Did you all know? All along the way, Jesus says, I got a bunch to tell you. You're not ready for it yet. All along the way, may his spirit open the word, show us more of him, fill us with him in ways that we go out in his power to the people that the spirit is pressing upon that Christ will leak out of us to them for his glory. Would you pray with me? Father, your word this morning has simply been about our confidence in your spirit. Lord, if nothing else this morning, might this church leave this place confident that we can say something of Christ to someone because your spirit is doing so as well. Father, this morning we think of particular people that in this holiday season, it's somebody in our family, it's somebody that we're going to get together with, we know at some time in a family gathering. It's somebody at work. It's somebody who ridicules the Christ of Christmas in the midst of all the celebration. Lord, even these people that perhaps are our greatest difficulty, these are the people who simply don't know. These are the people that Jesus himself prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Lord, we don't want to just leave them not knowing. We ask that you by your Spirit and us through your Spirit, Lord, would you open their eyes, show them your truth, bring them to faith in Jesus as Savior. Lord, would you give us the joy of seeing it, perhaps even the privilege of being the one to speak